issues where we're mixing things up a little bit here uh i'm justin and i'm with my wonderful co-host via skype tyrell cannon how are you mr tyrell yo 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 i am here i'm good it's feeling feeling good man it's been a good uh a good day so we're gonna make it a better day by recording a great episode here wow that is a lofty expectation and <laughs> i don't feel like i can condone it honestly if everything just works out and, and you know we record something i'll be happy Sweet. All right. Lowered it a little bit. All right. I'm feeling a little more comfortable with that level of commitment. Uh, hopefully, you found us via the new SoundCloud setup, uh, either through SoundCloud or iTunes on Back Issues, getting its own uh, sweet, powerful feed. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how SoundCloud does for us on this. Uh, so, money, that's what we want, is what we opened up with there. We did a little different before we've done maybe a profile of a few characters uh, or taken a classic book that people have loved to have opinions on over the years. Uh, This time we went way off of our spreadsheet of potential ideas and decided to maybe more accurately live up to the the title of back issues. Uh, We each went into our prospective comic shops and we went right for the 50 cent bin. (laughs) <laughs> the, the comics that time forgot and that no one loves. <laughs> and, <laughs> or the ones that had two, print runs too high. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the ones that have just been ignored for, in the case of most of these, at least two decades. I don't know if I have a book more recent than 20 years. Oh, man. I think that might be the, my case, too. Now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, these books are like 10 years old. But I still have to remind myself that it's not 2000 anymore. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this book's from 93. So he was only like, oh, <laughs> it's fucking ancient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, we kind of right before the show started, we had sent each other uh, emails of just like what books we had. Uh, I think you had a little bit of a preview because I talked about it on in this issue. But before we get into our little show and tell with the books, I do want the people to know that at TyrellCannon.com, they can pre-order Victus number four. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, the, the new issue of Victus is ready for pre-order. It should be shipping out uh, early June. But if you pre-order the book anytime in the next few weeks, uh, you'll also get a uh, uh, black and white print of the cover image. Um uh, sent with your order, which will be cool. And if you're coming to Cake Chicago, uh, the Chicago Alternative Comics Expo, you can pick up your order there, and I'll refund your your shipping to you. So definitely check that out. 
Um, also, I have to mention, I have a pinup in the uh, collected version of Space Mullet, which just came out from Ooh. Daniel Warren Johnson. You guys should pick that up at your local comic book store as well. Damn right they should. <laughs> if they've been listed in this issue, we had a huge conversation with Mr. Daniel Warren Johnson himself a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and they should definitely listen to that too because that's two of my favorite people talking about comics. What could be better? Aw, who else is <laughs> I was wait. Well, you and Daniel. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh. That's I, two. I, I thought, think my math's right on that. I was like, Brad wasn't on that episode. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened here. Um all right. So now into the thick of it. So well, the first thing I wanted to ask you was okay. when you went to your shop and looked through the 50 cent bin, you know, A, what's your shop's name? We should promote our shops a little bit. And then B, um, were you the only person looking through the bin? Was there other people back there? So I go to Mellow Blue Planet. It's in Rock Island, Illinois. And it's a little different because he doesn't have a lot of back. Like, he has a ton of back issues, but he doesn't have like much of a 50 cent bin. He essentially has one spinner rack that is where he keeps his super cheap books. And so it's right by the, the front entrance. Everybody does a great job of just walking past it and ignoring it <laughs> every time. I think that I probably was the first person to rotate it in, in <laughs> since 93 when some of these books were put on there. Dust flew off of it. <laughs> uh, they are absolutely neglected. Which is which is a shame because he gives it pretty prime real estate. He uh, he gives that a bin of super damaged kids books that he gives away for free that just sits on the ground, and then any of the independent books are like front and center when you walk in the store. And uh, so it's like it's solid placement. He's trying to get people to pick those books up, uh, and then they all walk around the corner and go to the DC Marvel section. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, my shop uh, that I went to, I usually, uh, every week I usually visit the uh, Graham Cracker Comics in downtown Chicago, mostly because I work like two blocks from there, and the people in that shop are really nice to me. Um, they actually have a, a huge bunch of boxes of uh, 50 cents and dollar books, and like half price graphic novels and stuff. And all that is actually back right in front of their new releases of like trade paperbacks and stuff. So I actually walk by those boxes every day. And whenever my wife is uh, not done with work, she works nearby there, I'll usually go hang out in the shop and look through the, the 50 cent bin. Um, but yeah, I went in there that week and it's weird. Every time I go to the 50 cent bin, there's always somebody there looking through stuff. And <laughs> nice. this time, uh, as usually is the case, if you start looking through the 50 cent bin and there's another person there, they think that you want to be friends with them. So, right. so the guy who was there was like, oh man, hey, you and check out that Civil War, and you know, hey, what'd you think about that new Wolverine? And you know, we had a nice little chat. It was a, he was he was definitely more into the conversation than me. But um, did you get the digits? I did not exchange numbers with him. Um, he was uh, he was not my type. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was good. I, I actually they they have a pretty good rotation of I think what goes in that box because I feel like every time I go there I find different things in there and I have bought stuff from the 50 cent bin before have, have you ever bought things from the 50 cent bin before uh I think there's been an occasion where something kind of caught my eye or something just like I, I didn't even know I was looking for it I think that I occasionally will buy issues of the max when I see them and I think I've seen like an issue of that surface on on that bin and I'm like oh well I probably need to pick that up yeah, yeah. Uh, the Max, the Max being a comic we've actually talked about yes. on the show before. Uh, 
the it's funny now that it, we're talking about it. We've had this discussion before where most stores put absolutely zero effort into actually moving their backlog of comics. Yeah. They just put them in boxes and they sit there forever until someone <laughs> comes in and says, oh, I'd like Incredible Hulk number 34. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, the one the one I don't have because it's the beginning of the major arc that everyone else wants. Uh, sweet. Congrats on digging through my books that no one wants. Well, and it's really weird because, it, it, you know, and I'll talk about this a little bit when we get to a couple of my books. There might be a book on the shelf that's a big seller, and they might have something in the 50-cent bin or in their back issues by that same artist or that same writer or the same team. Like, why not bring that up front and center with the new book? And so people are like, hey, you know, I like this guy. I like this art. I like this comic. You know, why don't I pick this up too? It seems to me like every time they relaunch X-Men or do a Wolverine event, that's a great time to move some of your backstock. Um, but anyway, I don't know. Maybe we're, we shouldn't Monday morning quarterback the shops. But I do feel like it, it's, a, it's an unused kind of untapped resource that almost every large shop has. Are you unfamiliar with podcasts? I'm pretty sure yeah. Monday morning quarterbacking <laughs> is 100% what people on the internet with microphones do. There's probably a podcast called Monday Morning Quarterbacks. It's probably Monday Morning Quarterback, the comic shops. There's probably <laughs> one even that specific. Yeah, yeah. It, it is weird because I feel like um, that's what I do. When I, when I find a new book that I really dig, I'll oftentimes see what else they did and go back and try to find those back issues. And a lot of times I find really good stuff doing that. So I don't know. And then same thing when I look through the, the 50 cent bin, I'll find stuff that I'm like, no way this is in here or like, no way. Like this is that book that, you know, I've heard about, but never been able to find or whatever. The, uh, yeah. So looking at the books, there was, mm-hmm. there's a, there's an active decision. Cause at one point we had talked about swapping these books. Yeah. And, it got a little complicated. I think. And, and I think that we're, we're doing it the more simple way, but I, uh, there was the thought of, do I try to get a book that's going to elicit a specific reaction from Tyrell? <laughs> uh, do I get a book that I know is going to be shitty and I'm going to want to crap all over it? Or do I legitimately like, oh, I'd read that book. And so you did all three, right? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that I got anything. I did get one that I was like, oh, fucking Tyrell would buy that based on the cover alone. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, there was a little bit of a mixture of that. The uh, one was uh, I talked about in this issue uh, was a nostalgic one where I'd seen the image on trading cards and stuff back when I had, like, the Marvel trading cards. And I never had read any of the issues with that character. And I was like, oh, well, sweet. That's a no-brainer. I'm picking that one up. Uh, And then I tried to get some indie ones. I tried to get ones that... uh, there's actually one, and I'll just start talking a little bit about, but uh, there was a New Talent Showcase, which used to be a DC Comics series. Yeah. And I was like, well, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, why don't they do that anymore? Um, no idea why they don't do that anymore is the short answer. Because they hate <laughs> New Talent, I guess. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, do you want to go first? Do you want to give me a uh, Yeah, maybe we can do like a back and forth. Like, yeah. I'll do a book, you'll do a book. Um, it's funny. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, well, how do I choose books? A lot of times when I go in the 50 cent bin, I actually like to find not only books I've never heard of, but companies I've never heard of. Yeah. And it's funny because this time I actually pretty much every company I bought is is something I've actually heard of before. Um, I think, though, one of the ones I wanted to – a couple of these are actually sort of imprints that sort of died off, which is interesting. So the first one maybe I'll talk about is this book called Psychonauts. 
um, kind of like astronauts, but psycho. Does uh, it mean that they're psycho? Not. <laughs> well, it's interesting. So this is an imprint uh, called Epic Comics, which was uh, Marvel did this for a little while, and they kind of released material from overseas, and they did some kind of more adult-themed stuff. They're the ones who released Akira in color in the States. And uh, Psychonauts is, <laughs> well, I saw the cover and it's got like a cool tank on it and all these soldiers, like future soldiers. And like, who doesn't want to read a book called Psychonauts, you know? It's a pretty slam dunk title. Yeah, it's a really great title. And so I open it up and it has this, um, you know, the first page is like the Psychonauts story. And, you know, it's one of these in the year 2199, the statesmen and political politicians of the space cities, you know, so all these space cities have, you know, left Earth. And they have sent telepaths, six telepaths, back to Earth to see if Earth is habitable again. Because I guess Earth, Earth was all messed up. And um, they, they all have these crazy names. And they go back and they're going around the planet trying to find out what's going on on Earth to see if we can come back and live here. And they're coming across all this crazy stuff. Now, I don't know if the book is episodic. Like, each one has a different people they encounter. This is issue number three that I picked up. And... It seems like a bunch of stuff has happened beforehand because the psychonauts are kind of uh, talking about, oh, yeah, we went there and that was messed up. And then we went there and that was messed up. And anyway, it's if, if you look at the images I sent you, the cover has kind of a tank on it. And the inside is the the page that has this robot choking out a dude. And it, it says, like, uh, all flesh must die. You know, so I saw you changed your profile picture on something to that. <laughs> and I was like, that's a 50 cent comic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but there's these robots going around killing everybody. It Here's the thing about this comic. The artwork is pretty great. It's by a uh, Japanese artist named um, Motofumi Kobayashi. I don't know if you're being racist or not. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's written by Alan Grant, uh, who's, you know, he's been around. He's written yeah, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he's a paleontologist. Yeah, right. And Tony Luke. Um it's really cool. The style is kind of a, uh, you know, it looks like there's a lot of photo reference and kind of hatchy lines. Um, all the psychonauts kind of have a defining characteristic. One of them wears like a headband. He kind of looks like Billy Jack or something. Um, one of the things that struck me is this comic has, um, at one point they get in this truck to drive across the country and it's straight up the guy just like drew the truck like freeze framed the road warrior and drew the truck from the end. They're <laughs> like the awesome. big truck that they're hauling around all the, the battle people in. It's why literally that you? truck. Like it has the same tanker on the back. It has the two like stations where they had people stationed on the, in the movie. Um, it's a pretty crazy book. It's hard to know how to describe it because the psychonauts are going to earth, you know, to figure out what's going on with it. But there's robots going around killing people. And then they find this, um, kind of infection slash alien life form that is melded with a crazy doctor and that's trying to take over the earth too and it's communicating them to them through a tele like a telekinetic person named the shadow man i honestly don't know what the hell was going on in this book Um, (laughs) it's kind of a great 50 cent book in the sense that the artwork is pretty awesome it's um even though there is a lot of photo reference in it it's it's a really neat look it's kind of a cool sci-fi world with a bunch of like cool laser guns and stuff but the story is kind of incomprehensible. And at first, I thought it was like a Japanese book or something that had a bad translation. And then I saw that it was written by American writers and just drawn by a Japanese guy. And I guess it was one of the first times they did a collaboration like that where they had, um, you know, a artist from overseas, you know, from, from out of the United States working with United States, you know, writers. Um, 
So I, I don't know. I, I think it was kind of crazy, kind of weird. It's got a lot of crazy violence and stuff in it. Um, and aliens and weird, sh- you know, stuff happening. It was all right. Um, do you think the incomprehensible nature was because you picked up an issue three or do you think that it's just that's the way it's written? Well, it's weird because the, the inside cover gives me a story up to this point synopsis. OK. And even with that, I, w- I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, do you have any desire to actually seek out the rest of the story? You know, I'm I'm going to be very proud to have one issue of Psychonauts in my collection. All right. <laughs> I'm not it, it was it was it was worth 50 cents. Okay. And uh and I I think it's got I mean, it was worth 50 cents for the cover illustration alone. And yeah. I don't know if I'm going to read it again, but I'll probably look at it every now and again when I just want cool sci-fi ideas. So yeah, that was my first book. What was what was the first thing you want to talk about? Uh, well, I'm kind of torn. I feel like I could choose best to worst, worst to best. I'm going to, I'm going to start off with, I'll go one that was also an incomprehensible story. Uh, Atari force torn oh, between <laughs> two worlds. Issue I 18, saw that there. June, 1985. So the real gem is that Atari force was not the only, this was not the only issue of this on the rack like there were multiple issues of atari force on the 50 cent rack well this is issue 18 yes originally sold for 75 cents so you didn't even get that big of a discount <laughs> no unfortunately i guess i it, it aged well uh as far <laughs> as comics go only being 25 cents less is a pretty sweet deal yeah that's not a lot of depreciation <laughs> uh so one of the coolest things about it is this is a dc book in conjunction with atari and on the inside cover, it says, thanks to Amazing Heroes, uh, best 10 books of 1984. And it has a list of the top 10 books. And do you want me to read off what the top 10 books of 1984 are? I have to know. Uh, I'm going to go backwards. Number 10, Power Pack. Oh, God. Number 9, Doctor Strange. All right. Number 8, Atari Force. <laughs> Number seven, Blue Devil. Number six, X-Men. Number five, Fantastic Four. Number four, Teen Titans. Number three, American Flag. Number two, John Sable. And your number one book of 1984, Swamp Thing. Oh, man. That's really weird. That makes sense. I mean, Swamp Thing was great in the 80s. But I can't believe American Flag was in the top 10. American Flag and John Sable. Like, I've never heard of Weird books to be in the top 10. That's strange. Yeah, and Doctor Strange at that time, too, being a big hit. I thought that that was a a really cool snapshot of that that time in comics. That is cool. What So, what is Atari Force? Is it actually about Atari games, or what's the deal? I think that the premise, because there is no the story thus far, and so you just jump right into this madness. My understanding is there is essentially an Atari Institute, which is like there's scientists developing new technology and they are basically creating these superhero people through technology. So like Atari is a world power, uh, a galactic <laughs> power, if you will. And they've created all these characters and I don't know enough about Atari to know if these are actually fringe characters that were in games that they gave like this new life. But uh, it starts off with a guy that's in 
prison and he's got the Atari logos all over him. And Is he's that the guy, guy in the cover? Yes. Because the cover has this guy with like an Atari logo on his on his like jumpsuit and he's got this crazy long hair and a bandana and yes. he's wearing like pads on his arms. Yes, all of the above. <laughs> uh, and his ability is to phase and he has this 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 heroic breakout of this prison, but he's not able to concentrate properly, so he's phasing into other dimensions and he can't find his way back home. And uh, it's like the worst version of Sliders. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it's just uh, a very, very strange book. The art clearly screams 80s. Uh, one of the one of the interesting things I noticed, and it's probably a time thing, uh, when it's like a wide shot showing multiple characters, rather than color them like, oh, this guy's cape's this color and his shoes are this color, they just give each character a hue. And so mm. there's yellow, red, green, blue, orange. And like on the wide shots, that's just the character's color. And throughout this, the book, you just gather that, oh, that undistinguishable orange blur is so-and-so. And so I was like, what an interesting time-saving technique. <laughs> like, Yeah, there's assigned uh, colors to each person in this shot. Yeah, and you know, just be consistent throughout the book, and then you don't have to break out tiny colors for the printing. Well, and uh, I noticed that it's written by Mike Barron. And Mike Barron, I might have mentioned in the past, he wrote a lot of Punisher stuff, actually. And he, he's a decent writer. I hear he's kind of a crazy guy. But you said the writing was kind of all over the place? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And again, it's the 18th issue. So I have all sorts of no idea <laughs> what happened up until this point. But yeah, I haven't really fully gathered. There's a point in which uh, they are trying to slip into the time stream in order to escape and the, there nobody can see properly to avoid the radiation that's in this other dimension. And so one of the guys has this vision thing that they essentially planted a fake eye in his head because one of his <laughs> eyes wasn't working. Oh man. And they're like, Oh, well maybe he can see with this eye and he just like is totally breaking down and his eyes like i can see and it's too intense and i can barely keep my eyes open and the gamma rays are sweeping the stern and it's just like what the fuck is happening in this book and then he like passes out at the console and these little technology goblins come in <laughs> and like i'm not even being sarcastic like they're little goblins that no one could communicate with that are really good with technology and they wire a thing into his eyeball and he wakes up and he goes we're going home and drives him into safety what? so so i'm confused though is there no ties to actual atari properties like there's not like a pitfall like moment or That's, anything like that i don't see any pitfall again i don't know if these characters are like fringe characters from some form of Atari, but for all all of my Atari knowledge, which is not vast, they are not actual game characters. Who's the guy in the cover with the epic mustache and the beret? Uh, he's the guy that's keeping him in prison. Uh, his name's like Hunter. Guy. His name's Hunter. Oh, of course his name is Hunter. Uh, Atari Force, I would say. Worth 50 cents? I'm going to say no. Okay, okay. Which is which is a low bar, like worth 50 cents or not. No. Well, and that's that's funny because it, you know, uh it was apparently the the what the seventh best book in 1984 or 85. So and the the funny thing is reading some of these older books, 
the first few I read, I was kind of like, man, these books hold up pretty well for as old as they are. And then uh, it goes down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, I can't wait because I, I feel like we both have some crazy ones coming up, too. I didn't want to start with my craziest one. Right. Um, the next one I had was uh, this book called Shotgun Mary. Uh, number one, uh, I guess it's it's a story. I don't know if it's like, it's basically, it, it's got a subtitle. It's Shotgun Mary, quote, Son of the Beast. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And it's the one on the cover. It's got, uh, it's, it's issue number one from 1997. Um, yeah, I see it here. Yeah. People people should definitely look up these these covers because they're pretty great. They're the reason we bought these books, really. Yeah. Um, and it's got this woman on it with a shotgun and, a you know, some sunglasses. And she's, you know, kind of turning around. So the classic comic book, show your, your butt and your boobs at the same time pose. The art actually looks a lot like some of the old 90s Lobo art that DC well, was putting out. It's interesting. So I got this book. I started reading it, and I was like, yeah, the art's pretty good in here. I get to the end, and I look at the uh, the art uh, credit. Uh, it is Asad Ribic. Nice. Yeah, so I will be sending you this because I know you are a Ribic <laughs> fan. But yeah, dude, this is like some vintage Asad Ribic. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah so, looking at the – I'm pretty sure I guessed which image you sent me on the inside here. It's the chick with the gun. Yeah, I sent you a couple finger. from the inside there, and she's uh, so it's basically it's it's a it's not a very good comic, <laughs> but <laughs> hence it's, it's why you're written, sending it to me. Yeah, right. Well, it's it's written by uh, Miki Horvatic, with a translation by Darko Makan, who you might remember wrote Soldier X. Nice. Yeah. So so it was weird because I I read it and I got to the end and I was like, well, you know, that was all right, I guess. It was it's kind of like watching. This movie is like watching a grindhouse film. Um, <laughs> you've got this lady with a shotgun wandering through the desert at the beginning. She's kind of talking to herself, sort of like in a you know uh, voiceover. Okay. And she just says all these things that are kind of like, I'm so badass. <laughs> so she, she ends up just walking down the road, and then these bikers come by, and this biker rolls up to her, <laughs> and he like lights a cigar. And the first thing he says, it's just a close-up of him, he says, my name's Bud, and that's what I drink. Oh, <laughs> and then what? her reply is: her reply is, my name's Mary, and I could use one too. And then, of course, she hops on the bike, and they take off. Um, she okay. gets to this, uh, you know, bar, and I don't know. She gets attacked by these guys. Um, it's weird. It's the first issue, but you open up, and she's obviously been in a battle, and she's lost wherever she is, and you don't know what happened. It doesn't say really what's the deal. And there's like basically she's attacked by a biker gang and she just kicks the crap out of them. I mean, it's no contest. She just thrashes these guys, um, shooting them with shotguns. You know, they're, they're trying to cut her up. She, uh, she's ends, she ends up, um, you know, taken off on a bike. I don't know if she stole it from the original bikers or what, but she goes to the city and, um, I guess she's trying to stop this guy from, um, uh, he's trying to make an army that's going to be the forces of evil and they're going to take over the world. It's kind of the typical, like everything right. about this book is super generic. And uh, she shows up and this guy, this leader of the bad guys, he's up giving a speech on top of a bunch of, of course he's in a warehouse full of giant wooden crates. Naturally. Yeah. And he says, um, you know, my heart rejoices to see you in such numbers. Our army is growing stronger. Near is the day when our forces of evil will point their finger and... 
And then she's behind him and she says, what finger? And she blows both of his arms off with a <laughs> shotgun. <laughs> and she starts just jumping around, just shooting everybody and, and just blowing them away. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's just her going around kicking ass. Um, it's kind of fun. And there's a lot of religious imagery. She ends up shooting this guy at the end. She finds this guy who's, I guess, the leader of a cult at the end, shoots him in the eye with an arrow. He turns into a demon and Naturally. then she has to kill this demon. And uh, she kills him with like a little knife that's kind of like a cross. And I don't know what the significance of that is. It just kind of happens. And then I um, had a book with a knife as a cross as well. Yeah. Wow. That Maybe that was a theme back in the day. Was your book from 1997? Uh, let me take a look here. When was this monstrosity, <laughs> this wonderful book made? Um, this book feels like 1997. 93. Like feels, this is oh, okay. one This book feels like um, barbed wire. Nice. You know? something like that but it has sort of the the trimmings of an 80s post-apocalyptic or like road movie um i would say worth 50 cents for the assad ribic artwork um he's gotten a lot better over the years but there's some cool stuff in here there's this one full page spread of her like doing a wheelie on a motorcycle with a shotgun um pretty cool um I don't know what's going on with the story. It doesn't really matter. She's just <laughs> killing people. That's all that really matters. It's basically, yeah. uh, God, you talk about it being a grindhouse film. I think one of the old cheesy shit movies I remember we used to rent, uh, Nail Gun Massacre. Oh, was, nice. Was an old one we used to rent. And that's totally the, it's it's not the same stylistically, but it is just like some crazy broad just killing everyone for revenge. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I think it was a weird time. I remember actually at this time I was already buying comics and Antarctic Press, I believe for a short time was putting out a couple books I did buy, which was Creed, I think uh, a comic called Creed jumped around to like eight different publishers. I think they might have been with Antarctic for one time. And then another book I, I read called uh, Snowman, which was also super violent. It was just like this guy who turned into ice and just ripped people to pieces. Um, but I don't think Antarctic is around anymore. Um, if they are, I don't. I don't know if they are. What's uh, what do you got next, man? Uh, I'll uh, I'll tackle the the new talent showcase. Um, so I don't know that any of these. Uh, I'm going to read off the the names of the the vignettes essentially that are in this and the yeah. creators. Yeah, because I want to know what this new talent ended up doing. So yes, tell uh, me. so we have the Feral Man by Steve Riggenberg and Chris Carlson. Okay, don't know him. Uh, Echo. By Rich Margopolis and Steve Little. Lytle. I'm not uh, sure. Don't know them. Uh, Dragon Knights by Peter Sayana and Lou Scarborough Jr. Scarborough mm. Jr. And The Misadventures of Nico Time by Stephen DiStefano. Hmm. So. Um, Doesn't ring any bells. So this was issue number six of the no Talent, New Talent Showcase. <laughs> and uh, it actually. I will say that there were there were little glimmers of hope. Uh, the first story is called The Return of the Dragon Knights. And this is part two. It is uh, as it is a continuation. It's not the thrilling conclusion. Um, but uh, it's essentially about uh, these these young adventurers that are trying to unlock the icon, which will help them have the Dragon Knights at their disposal. Uh, and they enlist the help of a baby dragon whose parents had just been slain by some of the evil in uh, in the, the realm. 
And so it's a it's a straight fantasy. Uh, it's pretty cool. There's some reincarnation. Uh, there's a whole vignette about a dude that just goes around slitting throats. Um, and so it has you know shapeshifters, mystical enchantments, you know, all in well, that sounds cool. All in a handful of pages. I was like, I would read that damn book. Uh, and naturally at the end, they managed to defeat the guards of the icon so that they've proved their worth. They unleash the dragon knights and they're like, we need help. And the dragon knights like, yeah, I'm going to destroy earth. <laughs> oh like, no. Oh, well that did not turn out well. <laughs> that was not how we planned. Um, the next one, I sent you some of these internal images, uh, the image of the woman crying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is called echo and it is. It is definitely wanting to be a superhero book, but also be really heavy on the romance. I kind of um, when I saw that image, it reminded me of the old romance comics. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this could be cool. And I was like, this is this is a little bit of speculative relationships yeah, action totally. going here. Um, and so it definitely like as it it's it's trying to be more romance than superhero book. And I thought that like that's that's a cool angle. Uh, I dig the art because, like you said, it is very much those old romance novel art, like uh, romance comic art. Uh, the guy's Echo Powers, I'm not entirely sure, because uh, this is the conclusion of it, so a lot's happened, but he clearly does a lot with, with sound waves, based on the name. Um, overall, this one, also pretty good, and I enjoyed the art. Like I said, it's the old romance novel art mixed with a little bit of superhero flair, uh, and it ends somewhat lacklusterly. Uh, I think one of the other pages I sent... Uh, there's like a woman in the bottom right corner. Looks like she's getting like stabbed in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like all unnecessary boob. Yeah, uh, all over <laughs> it. Uh, there was a lot of that in these books, and I'm like, I know comics now aren't necessarily, uh, you know, f- women forwarding in a lot of ways, but it felt like these '90s books really didn't do anything for feminism. Well, and it's weird that that panel you're referencing. It, it's it's like. I guess she's getting stabbed, but it looks like the guy drew her sticking her boobs out and then is like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's getting stabbed. So he, like, tried to cram a guy back behind her. Yeah, it's <laughs> very, very weird. <laughs> um, uh, and so Echo Echo was pretty cool. Uh, naturally, in the end, he decides that uh, he... So he goes through this whole battle. He has, like, two pages of interaction at the start of it with the female. Uh, and he says... He says, until I sort my feelings out, it's best Echo hang up his helmet and temporarily retire. And so it's like, uh, I feel like you've jumped to an insane conclusion, Mr. Echo. (laughs) Maybe you should uh, figure out what the fuck you're doing with your life. Uh, The Misadventures of Nico (laughs) time is kind of a a Sunday comics thing that uh, I didn't think was funny at all and the art was bad. (laughs) (laughs) And then The Feral Man... Wishes he was Wolverine. Well, which, I was about to say you, you, the cover of the book. It's so it's New Talent Showcase number six. The cover A. I was looking at the cover. I'm like, well, that's Wolverine punching a yeah. guy. It looks like a and, Streets of Rage Wolverine mix on the cover. Well, and it's weird because he's punching these guys. And there's like these punks attacking him, and it all seems real world. Except the guy in the front has a knife that's like pink. It's like glowing pink. Yeah. And I, I was very confused when I saw that. I was I was kind of wondering well this seems real but he's got a glowing pink knife the other thing i noticed about this cover is it looks like the old from the same time period the like sega master system game covers yeah totally it has a grid in the background with an image in the middle yeah 
it's very much the same the same style uh as far as the the, we were obsessed with like grids grids meant the future or something like graph paper that's the future vectors man vectors that's where it's all going uh as far as the realism in this goes, it very much does seem like just a standard, like, oh, this guy's a CIA project that suddenly has superpowers. Weird. What? Not Wolverine. Um, and yes. suddenly, like, there's there's laser guns. <laughs> like, they're being attacked, and these guys pull out their laser pistols. And, uh, and the chick that's in it has, like, earrings that she can, like, pull off and use as daggers. Because, you know, why not accessorize your vigilantism? They do uh, that in The Punisher with Dolph Lundgren, too. Yeah. I mean, Dolph doesn't wear the earrings, but one of the bad guys. <laughs> he should, though. <laughs> that would be really unleashing his maximum potential. Yeah. Uh, and there's, like, a bomb put in his brain to force him to do what they want him to do, and he goes into a berserker rage and becomes the feral man. Uh, this is a Wolverine pitch that didn't get picked uh, up because they went to DC with it. Yeah, it's a it, that one is pretty painful. So the first two were really enjoyable. <laughs> the second two were not so much. So as a result of the first two, I would say it was worth 50 cents, but not by much. Does it make, do you want to go find these creators and see what they're doing now? I would be interested to see what the Echo creator and the uh, the Dragon Knights creator. I would be interested in seeing how uh, how life turned out for them. Man, how cool is that old DC logo, though? So much uh, better than that new one. Yeah, I, a, a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, well, the next one I got, I, I actually, when I saw it, um, so sometimes I'll look through the quarter bin, and since the 90s were like this weird time when they printed way too many of everything. And what? There was like a collector market. And they also, the thing was, is like in the 90s is when I was reading comics a lot as a kid. And when I would see, um, you know, previews in Image or in Wizard Magazine, there was a lot of books I'd see previews for, but I would never buy. I, you know, I couldn't find them at my local comic shop or whatever, or they were too adult or, or something. You know, I, I never got to buy them. And one of them was this book called Trencher. And uh, Trencher... Um, I remember seeing the, the, the advertisement at Wizard and thinking, whoa, this book looks crazy. Like his artwork's so weird. And, and uh, you know, it kind of looked like it had a – it looked like a graffiti or something. And um, so when I saw this in the 50-cent the bin, I was like, oh, yeah, well, I got to get Trencher. It's been <laughs> in my head since I was, you know, 12. There's no choice. Yeah, so Trencher is created and written and drawn by Keith Giffen who's actually known mostly as a comic book writer, but I guess he's drawn over the years and changed his style multiple times. And I heard that he's been accused of ripping off different artists. I don't know who he'd be ripping off in this book. But Trencher is a, um, at the beginning in the first, you know, the inside cover, it gives you the the definition of three words. Um, And one is reincarnation. So it tells you reincarnation is rebirth and, you know, getting your soul into a new body. And then it says repossess. So to possess or take ownership of again, and then trencher. And trencher is one who repossesses errant or misplaced souls. So Damn. I think he's kind of like a repo man for souls. Okay. And I think he also can like re, like being reincarnated in new bodies, or he has like robot parts on his body or something. This when sounds this issue, awesome. It, it well, right? It does, right? So the, this issue starts off. Well, I can't decide if this book is awesome or not. (laughs) It starts off and he's ripped in half. He just has one arm. And there's like a grandma in a bikini with a gun 
kind of trying to kill him. All right. I'm interested. <laughs> Tell me slower. And he's he's running around. Well, running. He's hopping on his hand around to get away from her while fighting her. And it, I, I say this all kind of like I'm guessing because the artwork is really hard to make out. It, it's it's almost impossible to tell what's happening. And it in looks Panel really familiar. It, you I know, don't I've know. seen other artists do similar things as this, but the way he chooses to color it and the lines all have the same weight, it's really difficult. Now, there's moments where it's really cool. Like you see Trencher and he's got like all these buckles and you know guns and he's smoking a cigarette and he just looks really neat. But as soon as he has to move or have action happen, it kind of falls apart. Like I know explosions happen. I know he gets shot at. <laughs> and I know at some point he um, he ends up... <laughs> like blowing this lady up so she dies and then he goes back to i guess his base and gets a whole new body and um that part has a little bit of comic book humor there he gets his new body and he's he comes out of i guess the shower or the rejuvenator or whatever and he's naked and the guy keith giffen puts a little a little box over his his junk area and says ah. sorry girls you know oh yeah because those girls are reading comic books oh yeah well and i'm sure they want to see trencher's yeah. uh, penis right well, I mean. uh, <laughs> so anyway it, it goes from there that he goes on another mission to get a guy and the guy he tries to get is um just vomits on people okay so, <laughs> so this guy is projectile vomiting and it's not even like a stream he does these like it's kind of like um chunks uh like big chunks of vomit and there's this one part where he's shooting them like a machine gun it goes like glock 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 and there's like these chunks of vomit going after trencher trying to sounds get awesome again yeah and <laughs> again i don't know what the end game is here but trencher ends up uh shooting this guy in half and then some other guy shows up to fight him and then all of a sudden supreme shows up supreme from the old image comics shows oh, up jesus and um, that's how the issue ends. Supreme, I guess, is going to go fight Trencher. That's um, fucking wild. <laughs> it's really wild, man. And this is issue two. Okay, so issue one must have had a hell of a setup. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, it's really strange. I, I, I would say it was worth 50 cents because I, you know, I, this was something like, it, you know, it's one of those things, you know, you have those memories that are kind of, like a dream because you haven't been able to substantiate them in real life. Right. And that's what this was. I remembered Trencher vaguely, but it was one of those books that I was probably like, what the heck was Trencher? Was that a thing really? Or did I dream that? So now I know it's real. I don't know if I would say it's, it's a, a, a thing I want to read more of cause it was, it kind of hurt my, my eyes to look at it. <laughs> um, I would like to see books done in a style like this again, but maybe by an artist that, that understands line weight a little bit better or something. <laughs> <laughs> but i like the density of it and the color and everything um and then of course in the back i got to see a bunch of advertisements for my favorite uh you know image comics books there's a shadow hawk uh one there's a shaman you I remember shaman's tears by mike grell i do not uh, freak force gen x which gen x was what gen 13 was originally called and then yeah. marvel sued them and they had to change it gen 13 so there's a vintage uh, gen x uh you know advertisement and nice. then uh, Brigade, of course, uh, has it in here, too. So that was Trencher. Um, worth 50 cents, but not because it was a, an, an enjoyable book, necessarily. <laughs> more because it satisfied this sort of uh, mythical quest I had to find Trencher comics. Your childhood is now resolved. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, up next, uh, so many to choose from. So many. God. Uh, let's go with you know. Let's go a little more positive. Let's 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 stop stop the bleeding a little bit. Uh, let's go with Sludge from Malibu oh, Comics. Good old Malibu, man. Uh, I bought this one because one, the cover's a giant sludge monster with what looks like a mutated alligator in the foreground. Uh, and it also says in the corner, jump on now. So I know it's a jumping on point. <laughs> and so uh, this jump is... Jump on now at issue four. The perfect yes. place to jump on. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is the uh, by Chris Sprouse and Carl Kessel. I know Chris Sprouse. He is a fantastic illustrator. Uh, and I enjoyed the art thoroughly. Uh, I sent you at least one image of... I sent two images from this one. One is of the sweet, fancy, 90s woman, like, empowered woman pantsuit. Or not pantsuit, but uh, the the wardrobe. Skirt or something, yeah. Yeah. Empowered woman in the doorway being a badass, followed two panels later by her bent over at the desk being a sex symbol. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> so it was, it was a beautiful dichotomy. And then... Uh, there was another image I sent you of the sludge monster hanging out in the sewer. And uh, the, the premise of this book is that these kids are exploring in the sewers because, you know, that's what kids do in New York. And uh, they get talking about, like, all oh, the things that could be in the sewers. And one kid's like, yeah, there's albino gators down here because people flush them when they get too big. And then they stumble across this giant monster. And there's a theme in a few of the books I have where the the humor beats or like they intentionally create confusion by constantly having people that are bumbling or misspeaking. And the the monster, Sludge, in this one is always using the wrong words and then like being confused. And so, okay. he, so these kids are terrified. They come around the corner, they got their flashlight, giant goo monster, and he says what you up to guys plumbing um no slumming <laughs> and then that's that's pretty bad and then they run away and he's like huh, feelings munch no mutual and so that's a weird like that's a weird plot device because well, the it's a heart it's like that's so much set up for such a lackluster payoff on a joke well it, he does it throughout what it ends up being the setup for is they have a flashback, and I'm almost positive. Uh, I, I can't tell if it's the reporter lady or not because I'm not in on the story. But there's a flashback of this guy in bed with a woman, like being like, "Oh, your mind's not on me, you know, whatever. I need your undivided attention in order to drain you." And he's like, "Well, you have it now," because she takes off her robe. Uh, oh, and um, uh, you sure as hell got it now, got it gal I mean now and so it's a setup I think that that's the same guy that he ends up becoming gotcha. that. and okay, so okay. that's your through point on knowing his origin was was the reason I gathered they did it it's really annoying <laughs> it sounds terrible it sounds laborious to read yeah that's that's the hardest part is because then he's like trying to search his own words and you're trying to figure out what the fuck he's talking about uh but it is made up for by the art being really enjoyable really good you know of the books i got it has definitely the most detailed color work 
and shading. There's a lot of flat colors in the books that I picked up. So it definitely uh, did a lot more toning on the colors. Um, The reporter obviously decides that the best thing to do is to go down in the sewers and see if these kids are telling the truth or not. Uh, And she encounters a giant sewer alligator that can speak uh, that he's over 40 centuries old. Nice. (laughs) And uh, he is naturally just sitting in water surrounded by corpses. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) And the amazing thing is he attacks these people and they show these giant bite marks. All these bones are intact. Like, they're just skinned from the bone. Doesn't that... That always bothers me when they're like... (laughs) They show like a dragon's lair full of perfectly preserved skeletons it's like I'm no like, they I'm should like, be what? mashed <laughs> yeah, they should be smashed to pieces he chewed them up yeah uh and so she thinks uh the the end is near and out of nowhere sludge comes through and has a giant monster sewer battle um and in the the two-page spread of him breaking through the wall to attack this thing there's like all these skeletons scattering and one head that is not decomposed at all. And I just look at it and I'm like, that's clearly like a friend or an editor or like the artist <laughs> who's drawing the writer. Like there's no reason for that to be the only unscathed head. Yeah. Um, and so there's a pretty sweet battle between the two of them. And uh, it's, uh, I would actually seek out more sludge. Sludge sounds like it might be a character you would you would dig. I mean, I know you're a Swamp Thing fan, and you like uh, some of those, you know, Hulk and the, some of those guys that are, you know, maybe the the the, the misunderstood powerful you know dudes that are kind of loners. Yeah, uh, that's 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 a sad reality. That's that's, that's what okay. I'm drawn toward. Uh, and then there's also a two page backup of Mantra and how he is and who he is and how she came to be, which doesn't make any sense oh uh, well do you remember mantra I, mantra was a superhero that i think it was a a woman that turned into a man superhero or vice versa i can't remember yeah well it looks like travels through time okay because she's like futuristic in one spot and she's like soccer mom modern day and then he's like samurai and and night stuff and the reality is there's just a lot of cleavage and so i would check out mantra um, well, Malibu, Malibu is a weird company. I mean, they were the publishers of Image for the very beginning of Image's life. Okay. And they had some weird books. They were the ones who did the original Men in Black comics. Um, okay. They had a book called Ultraman. They did uh, Dinosaurs for Hire, I think. I remember um, that one. Yeah, they had a bunch of weird comics. I I, I wonder what happened to them. I, I guess they just went out of business. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Sludge was good. I I. If Sludge was coming out and I was reviewing it modern day, I would be like, yeah, check that book out. The next one I got is, um, let's see. Yeah, no, I'll go ahead and jump into this one. I wasn't sure if I should, which, what I should save for last. I have three more. Um, I have Blood Syndicate, which is a book by DC Comics. I have Blood Syndicate number two, which is from May of, what is this, like 90-something, 94, uh, 93. 93 is the year, man. Yeah, so this is... um, DC, for a short time, had an imprint called Milestone, which was all African-American or minority creators and characters, which was really cool. A cool idea, at least. 
And I think Milestone was supposed to come back recently. I don't know if they actually did, but I remember seeing a news story sometime last year about them coming back. Um, but this is Blood Syndicate, and I don't know if it's this series or just this issue has the title of Power to Burn. Um, so Blood Syndicate is pretty interesting. It's it's a... Um, the, uh, the snapshot here is super-powered survivors of the massacre known as the Big Bang, the Blood Syndicate, are all that's left of Paris Island's toughest gangs. Hold up in an abandoned factory, they battle to protect their territory, the dead zone, from enormous forces that may rip them apart. Um, you're going to love the names of these guys. So it says their names are unknown, but then it says, right after, so it says their names are unknown, but as, and it tells you their superhero names, Holocaust, Tech Nine, DMZ, Brick House, Morph, Flashback, Fade, Wise Sun, and Third Rail. <laughs> what? So, so they all have these names that are either indicative of, um, you know, uh, you know, aspects of, for, for for lack of maybe a better term, like black culture, right? I mean, they have references to funk music in there. They have references to. Uh, firearms references to hairstyles and uh, references to this you know trains you know the third rail it's pretty interesting choices on the words i guess if you look at any superhero names from any period they're pretty stupid but these ones struck me as incredibly um silly um that being said i kind of wanted to like this book um because it definitely presents sort of a different sort of uh, superhero world than you're used to seeing from DC. It feels a lot more gritty. Um, basically, it starts off in Holocaust and Tech Nine are fighting each other. Um, and, and Tech Nine is a guy who... He's a rapper, damn it. Well, he, he there is a rapper called Tech Nine. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's on that worst rap album covers. Um, which is pretty funny because on the cover he's holding an AK-47, <laughs> not a Tech Nine, but Tech Nine is a guy who can. Um, he has guns and he just never runs out of bullets. Nice. So he can just shoot forever. That's pretty that, awesome. That, yeah, that's a superpower. And Holocaust just lights on fire and like burns stuff. Oh, I thought his power was going to be a lot more literal. No, it's no, be yeah, he, he can bring about the, apoc- the apocalypse. So, no. Um, basically, they're fighting and then. I guess their gang rule, which is explained by another one of the members, um, I can't remember which one, it, oh, Fade explains it, is that they have to fight each other and whoever wins becomes the leader of the gang. <laughs> and I, I don't know why that is. Um, so they basically have a fight for the whole issue. At the same time, there is a reporter who's kind of doing a story on the Blood Syndicate and she is sort of asking lots of questions as sort of how you find out about these guys. Elsewhere, as a, as they have a, a balloon that says elsewhere, there is literally a grandma who has an army of guys in robot suits. Nice. What's with all the going, grandmas in your books? It's really weird. I don't understand. But she's an evil grandma, and she she's Naturally. talking to the robot suit guys like they're her sons, and she wants them to go find a um, I don't know. She just says find that special something we've been looking for, and she sends them off. And it's pretty funny. They have a little humor. She's, she's like, you guys go right out and bring home, you know, that that thing to Mama, um, dead or alive. Make me proud. And then she says, if you're running late, make sure you call me. You know how I worry. <laughs> but when she fuck? says that, she has like an evil grin, and she's like lit in shadows. Oh, she's diabolical. 
pretty fun stuff. There's also a talking dog named Dog, but with two Gs. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's Tech Nine's dog. Tech Nine talks about how uh, he tells this reporter how um, the cops came and basically started killing people, and they can't trust the cops and the them the gang the blood syndicate are the only ones who really care about the city um kind of interesting um but then yeah tech nine and, and holocaust have a big fight which is holocaust is sort of way more powerful than tech nine and he's just thrashing him and uh uh right before you think holocaust is going to win tech nine um shoots him in the balls oh, and no. then he wins the fight my dong yeah he shoots him in the balls and then he starts shooting him in the face like the guy falls on the ground and just starts shooting him in the face until he tells him that he gives up. And then nice. everyone is like, yeah, way to go tech nine. Awesome work, man. And Holocaust stomps off and he's angry. Um, That's and insane. Then the, it's totally insane. And then at the very end, this guy called the boogeyman shows up <laughs> and he looks like a werewolf, but he has a baseball cap on and he has gauntlets with uh, spikes that look like unicorn horns. And he has an army of rats with him with evil faces and when he shows up, he says, um, the boogeyman is here and I want to get down. Wow. So does he, yeah. is he the boogeyman or does he like to boogie? I, I think he is a, a man who likes to boogie and he happens to also look like a boogeyman. That is some aggressive drugs. That yeah. <laughs> so Blood Syndicate was very interesting. I think. I had a great time reading it. Out of all the books I read, as far as just like straight up making me laugh and have a good time, Blood Syndicate was number one. It sounds um, like that Bloodstrike Liefeld book that came out recently where it's a guy hunting for his dick that got cut off. Like, what the fuck is happening? I love it, but what the fuck is happening? It's really weird. It, it, it feels very 90s. Like, this feels extremely 90s in that all the characters have like shoulder pads and guns and sunglasses and hats and chains and they have cool names and um it's it's very interesting um i would say it was worth 50 cents i i had a great time reading it it was it was a lot of fun and on the back they have an awesome double dragon 3 advertisement nice so. yeah some of the ads in these have been great yeah uh i'm gonna do one that's gonna be a much shorter review because okay. it's uh the best part about it is the charleston shoe wolverine ad on the back of it Oh, dude, I remember that ad. That's a Sam Keith drawing. <laughs> yeah. Like, awesome. you just say Charleston Chew Wolverine. I knew that's, that. I wanted that comic so bad. That's insane that you picked that up. Wow. I'm very impressed right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, obviously, it's a Marvel book uh, called Night Thrasher. Oh, no. Not Night Thrasher. Uh, and so, Night Thrasher is one that I always had his card. When, it was like a common card that would come up in the decks. He's part of the New Warriors. Um the books. Oh, and this is number one. This is number one of his, his finally in his own limited series. <laughs> finally. It actually, it says at last. Uh, but um, starts off good. Rage of the Cage, WWF, Steel Mania, Game Boy, Nintendo advertisement. <laughs> uh, so you know it promptly puts it in 1992. Uh, and... It's terrible. <laughs> like what? It's who's, all who's the creative team on? Uh, the creative team is. Let me get to that page. I don't. I know think if, the covers by Mark Bagley, who was a Spider-Man artist for a long time. Uh, let's see here. It doesn't give me a cover. So Night Thrasher was created by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends, but this is written by Fabian 
Oh, Nikaza, N I C I E Z A. He's the guy that wrote all the X Force stuff with Rob Liefeld. Oh, okay, and Dave Hoover uh, did the art, and Brad Van Cotta did the color. Uh, as far as the uh, Bagley did do the cover. I see his signature on there. So, uh, what's, what's the problem with this comic? <laughs> um, it's the my main complaint with it is that very little happens. And none of it makes sense. And it's a number one that makes you rely on all these other books. Like, I'd never read any New Warriors. When you give a character a spinoff, you're probably hoping for some new readers to be interested in this character. Mm. And it references all sorts of events that I have no idea what happened. Um, There is a woman in a superhero costume that she has walkers with, with knives on the bottom. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I think her name's silhouette or something like that. That sounds right. And, uh, I just, I didn't know enough about the new warriors world to, to make this not seem terrible. And it's about like corporate takeover. The coolest part about it was a, a character called the, the bangle. Uh, okay. What's the bangles deal? The bangle. He doesn't speak, uh, hardly any English. So it's another book that has somebody with, uh, with the language barrier. Um, and he, he keeps he, he's hunting for vengeance. He's he, he somebody killed his family, and he asks people, "D D Jungle Braid." And oh no, they wrote it with an accent. Lee Patton, D D Jungle Braid. Yeah, oh, and he's trying man. to say, "Did the jungle breathe?" Apparently. Oh man. And uh, that's about all he says, and I don't know what it means entirely. Uh, I think it's just referring to the people that his that have died, his family that was killed. Um, the character design is really cool in the Bengal. <laughs> like, it sounds like it would be terrible, but I like him. He's got size. Uh, he seems pretty badass. Well, you're a sucker for size, so. <sighs> I mean, not entirely. I think Raphael's a, a nuisance more often than not. <laughs> uh, no, that temper doesn't do anybody any good. Who are you kidding? Uh, but uh, yeah. So another just like unnecessarily sexualized moment. I sent the picture of it. Of the woman with the crutches, just in like a half bent over, just like showing her ass off shot. I know, and it's even like, though she really? she cannot stand herself, she still finds a way to make a sexy pose. Yeah, it's like, come on, man. Uh, Night Thrasher, I think his design's kind of cool, but overall, a uh, pretty terrible book. Yeah, I mean, I remember the New Warriors. I remember having some New Warriors um, comics when they when they came out just you know i don't think i was a book i like read but i think i traded at some point with somebody to get a new warriors comic i think it was because mike mark bagley drew it and i liked his art yeah i did find it interesting though and this is something you don't see a lot now either to have a a superhero who has you know a physical disability um that's kind of cool i don't know if they ever told good stories with that character but she doesn't seem to do anything in this book so uh it's one thing to, you know, have, you know, a blind hero or maybe uh, a wheelchair woman who does incredible tech work that, that helps you out. But this woman just looks fancy <laughs> and uses her crutches to accentuate her ass. Well, and, and Night Thrasher just looks angry all the time, I think. so. Yeah, that kind of comes with the territory. When you call yourself Night Thrasher, it is assumed that you're going to be in a bad mood. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Or, or that you just don't sleep well. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Night Thrasher and his partner Sleep Study. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you would say not worth the 50 cents. Not worth 50 cents. But it was something that I had like always, I dug that Bagley piece of art that they put on the cards. And so it only in the sense that it kind of quenched uh, the foolish love of that art from my childhood. Yeah, and I, I think I'm seeing this theme develop now at the end here. I uh, I have I have a couple more. I have gr- the next one I have is Grendel Warchild. Okay, which um, I think most people are familiar with Grendel, and that, that was the thing. Like I I felt weird. I was like, should I buy this? It's a pretty popular. I've never you know. read Grendel. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I've only read uh, one series of Grendel that doesn't even it doesn't even involve the main writer <laughs> or anybody. Maybe that should and be on a future back issues. Maybe it we might should Grendel it up. The other Grendel's really good, and we should probably read more Grendel, yeah. Well, and then reading this one, I, I'm intrigued. Anyway, Grendel's created by Matt Wagner, and I also found this interesting. It, this is written by Matt Wagner, penciled by Patrick McKeown, but then inked by um, Matt Wagner. Wow. So it's kind of cool that he wrote it and inked it. Um, that's something I've always wanted to do. Um, the artwork's really cool in this. It's, it's really dark, and, um, but also has a lot of good action in it. Um, Grendel himself, the design of Grendel is pretty awesome. He's basically, he looks like Venom with a lightsaber. <laughs> Sold. Yeah, right? Um, I think there's different Grendels. I think that the series Grendel has different Grendels. I could be wrong. Okay, um, it's like a mantle. Yeah, so in this issue, uh, this is Grendel number nine of ten of Grendel Warchild. Uh, not for children, according to the cover. Was it approved um, by the comics code? I don't know if this was after the... I don't see the stip stamp on it. Um, this painted cover by Matt Wagner is awesome. It's like Grendel holding up his lightsaber in front of a giant... Looks like a brain um, in the water. It's really cool. It's it's uh, it, This was worth 50 cents for the cover alone. <laughs> um, the inside is, is interesting. The story is really confusing, probably because it's the ninth issue of a 10-issue series. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of on you at that <laughs> <It point. laughs> But there was not any earlier ones, unfortunately. Um, th- there's Grendel's leading a bunch of people to infiltrate this cult. It seems like a cult. Cults seem to keep coming up, too. Um, there's these people. They seem like they're having a big orgy inside this room. I'm and in interested. the middle of the room is a giant, Grandma. huge, fat guy. Oh. There, were, there look, are a lot of grandmas. I think I sent you an image of him. Yes. He's like huge like Pearl from Blade. He's like <laughs> Totally. I thought Seven or Blade yeah, when I saw yeah. that. And what he's doing when they find him is they're, they're, they hung up a sea lion above his head and they slit its throat and he's like drinking the blood as it drips down from the sea lion. And when All that right. happened, that's like page six. I was like, right on, man. This is crazy. <laughs> um. And then it cuts to some other characters out in the woods. I'm not sure what they're doing. And then Grendel shows up with his people and starts tearing stuff up uh, inside this complex. They eventually end up at the fat guy. After the seal, dessert, I guess, is a little boy. And I think they're going to save the little boy. But Grendel shows up and um, just uh, he jumps down and cuts the boy free and then sticks his sword down the throat of the giant fat guy and then just starts cutting people in pieces. Um He's That's super nice. awesome. He's like killing these people. They look like vampires. They have like sharp teeth. Um, pretty awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, they end up saving the boy and, you know, regrouping um, outside of the complex. And then I guess there's a conclusion. I'm assuming so since there's one more issue left. This was really cool. I, after reading this, I was like, 
I didn't understand the story, but I was intrigued by the world and the artwork. I definitely would like to read some Grendel. I think this was a, a solid purchase, and I think most people would say, "Well, duh, Grendel's awesome. That Wagner's great." <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I just I never got around to Grendel. I read some Mage by uh, Matt Wagner, but I never read uh, Grendel. And this is really cool. I, I I think we should definitely check out some Grendel in the future. Damn right. If you good. are listening and you have a suggestion of a specifically good Grendel story, we would love to hear it. Yeah. Do it now. Do it now. Um, what's you got next, man? Uh, so I got two left. Um, I'm going to go with Frost, the Dying Breed. Uh, it's got a, Frost, the Dying Breed. You there? Yeah, I, I got you now. Okay. You were. I was worried I lost you. But, yeah, I thought I lost you there. Uh, so this one is by Caliber Comics. Oh, it's it must issue. be uh, something that's, it's, uh, you know strong and tough and fast and shoots out of a gun or something yeah seems about right it's uh created written and illustrated by kevin van hook and the cover painting is by hugh fleming uh this is a 91 book and it is uh the cover looks like it wants to be like a Chuck Norris Delta Force kind of level of art. I love this cover. Like, yeah, this is the images, one. I was so stoked to hear about this book. Frost, the dying breed. It's like it looks like a Steven Seagal DVD cover because it's just a yeah. guy holding a gun with like explosions behind. It, it could be like a night like a Nintendo cartridge. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's yeah. It is a very much in the vein of those things. Uh, the art on the inside is black and white. It's actually a pretty cool style of art. It's. Uh, I, th- I I thought you would dig the art on this one is this as the well. Pencil-y, the yeah, pencil-y yeah, it's one? like yeah. almost charcoaly pencily. Um, it's a story about a man. Uh, it starts out talking about them going in and kind of getting put into a, a, a shit situation in Vietnam, being forced to you know to have some questionable morals about what they're doing, and then uh, there's a kid that pops up out of nowhere and they're like, get down. And the kid had a grenade. <laughs> he was just holding it and the pin was pulled. Uh, oh, no, why so, did you do that? So, uh, cause that's the way shit went down in Nam. Apparently, uh, they wake up, they're in a POW camp and it, you know, has their escape from the POW camp. And then years later, uh, he's the, the main character, the, the, the Jack Frost, I believe is his name. Cause why wouldn't he be Jack Frost? Um, <laughs> uh is kind of just wandering the world you know doing doing his own thing um he uh he, he's a writer and he does sculpture and he's just kind of an artist and he's <laughs> yeah like he goes from this like crazy war scenario to being to being an artist uh and he ends up meeting this girl uh he's at a restaurant and he flags this girl down and says uh you know, would you? I'd like a table, please. And she's like, "Sorry, I just got off work. I can get somebody to help you." And he goes, "Well, in that case, would you like to join me for dinner?" Which is pretty smooth. She just got off work. She's got no excuse. And then, uh, you know, she's like, "Yeah, let's go somewhere else." They kind of have this little bit of a romance going. Uh, and her dad comes to town, and her dad is one of the uh, people he served with in Nam. Oh, wow. Serendipitous. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, wait, 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 he's having a relationship with her and her dad served with him. Yeah. So this is, so he's significantly is, older than oh, her. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's like a long time after that. And so, uh, the whole thing ends up the, 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 the dad, the former, uh, uh, the, the former 
troop mate or whatever, they uh, he ends up trying to convince him to do this gig. You know, he, he still does mercenary work, which means of this course. dude's like in his late forties, <laughs> like and timing he's an wise. And a mercenary. Yeah, and I it, feel it, like this is the writer thinking, man, it would be cool if my life was like this. Yeah, uh, and of course, uh, he gets there, and uh, the the guy that was his sergeant in that situation is the guy who's got the mission. And so it's like a, it's, it's kind of a weird twisted fucking path to get there. But, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Like the, the opening sequence through the Vietnam stuff I thought was really, really good. I liked the art. The cover alone was worth the 50 cents. Um, so frost, the dying breed, I would, I would check out more of this just to figure out where the fuck it's going. Yeah, I want to hang out with Frost. That sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I'd party with him, do some sculpting, <laughs> some writing, bang some chicks half our age. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's the other thing. The uh, the dude is totally cool with this guy banging his daughter. Oh, man. Like, totally. Like He's like, is that, that that's okay? He's like, yeah, she's an adult. Do what she wants. This sounds like an 80s action movie where, yeah. like, the hero just can do whatever he wants and everyone's like, you're so cool. <laughs> no, I could man. see Van Damme playing that role. Oh, I would love to see that. I'd love to see Chuck Norris playing that role. Um, my last book is another one that I was aware of, and uh, but I never read. Um, and it's, it's it's weird at at the time in the '90s when I was reading comics is when Valiant came out, and at the time I always thought Valiant stuff looked boring because it wasn't extreme enough. <laughs> um, and it's funny you because now <laughs> I realize that's because all the artists at Valiant and most of the covers at Valiant were by, you know, really good artists. <laughs> and uh, the art director for the whole Valiant line originally was Barry Windsor Smith, who, as you know, one of my favorite artists ever. Barry Windsor Smith's awesome. And so um, when I found Eternal Warrior in the 50 Cent bin and it had a Barry Windsor Smith cover and it said Barry Windsor Smith wrote it and did the kind of the pencils, I guess, I was like, well gotta get this sold i've actually found a bunch of old valiant comics by barry windsor smith in the 50 cent bin um when i was in there this time i actually saw a bunch of issues of archer and armstrong i thought about picking up nice and i i know that valiant's been revived and i hear the new books are really good too um this one i i knew nothing about the eternal warrior coming in and so i was a bit confused this is issue number seven of eternal warrior february of 1993 so again <laughs> if you go to the 50 cent bin you're probably going to find something from 1993 yes um it's pretty cool it starts off it's in the old west and the eternal warriors getting hung and this little boy saves him and then it like flashes forward in time um he well the little boy throws a hatchet and cuts him down which is a cool little two panel sequence I, sh- I sent that to you and then the little boy just picks up a double barrel shotgun and shoots like four guys with the one shotgun blast and it just like blows them all four away. Um, I want that shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) That's how that works. Um, Yeah. And then he shows up. So then eternal warrior, all of a sudden it's 1993 and he's in a cemetery in new Orleans and someone has dug up all the bodies and hung them from trees. And then with all of his bones broken and weaved into a gate is a clown. And the clown is, um, wakes up and just wakes up and is like, bingo. And then <laughs> the clown just starts saying, I'm going to entertain you with this trick, but I can only do it once. And then blood starts shooting out of his eyes and mouth and then his head explodes. 
and the eternal warrior is just, just he's like he's like jesus he's just like freaked out and he starts puking he's just like totally freaked out by this and it's uh it's crazy and then this guy shows up in a fedora and pokes the eyes out of some other dude and um <laughs> I guess that's the bad guy of the book. This, you picked uh, some fucked up books. I know, right? I found these crazy books. And so Eternal Warrior inside the uh, catacomb where the guy, the clown's head exploded, he finds his friend who saved him when he was in the 1800s. I don't know how this guy's still alive. Well, he's not alive for very long. <laughs> he's, he's naked on the floor surrounded by um, like uh, candles and his scalp's been ripped off and there's skulls all around him. And so I guess like uh, the bad guy did this to lure Eternal Warrior to uh, to the cemetery. That I guess is the only blade that can kill this bad guy. But the bad guy also wants it. So of course, right. it's unfortunate that he brought that there. He wants his death thing. Yeah. And so then they have a fight and it's a really cool fight. They, they fight each other and uh, Eternal Warrior gets kind of trounced for a minute. The, the, the headless clown body attacks him. <laughs> and... Um, the Eternal Warrior ends up, instead of killing him with it, I guess he breaks the knife and that sends this guy into another dimension where he starts like tripping out and then the building collapses and it's the end of the, the, end of the story. Um, I don't know anything about the Eternal Warrior still, <laughs> uh, but this was a really kind of a fun read. I mean, any book that has a clown in a cemetery with its head exploding, that's pretty that's cool. That's right up your alley. That's, that's vintage time. Cool. And then it's got this great Barry Windsor Smith artwork and it just reminded me that the the original Valiant stuff got good reviews and the new stuff has good reviews. And I, I don't know if you read any of the new Valiant stuff. I read a little bit of uh, Shadowland or Shadow Man. And oh, okay. it was it was good. It just didn't keep me interested enough to keep yeah, buying yeah. it. Uh, it was okay. I know Marriott's into a lot of it uh, yeah. right now. I almost actually, one of my 50 Cent books, there was a, a Valiant. It was the Rye. Oh yeah, right. The samurai. Or whatever. I uh, that was on one of the 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 racks, and I was like, ah, do I get a valiant book or do I get this other book? Um, well, I'm glad that one of us got a valiant. book. Yeah, I should have gotten a valiant book. <laughs> is what it comes down to. Company. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm always happy to have anything by Barry Windsor Smith, and uh, so this was definitely worth fifty cents. I mean, if you can find Eternal Warrior number seven, you're in for a, a fun little ride. Yeah. Um, also, in the middle. The center spread of the book is an advertisement for three video games that were all coming out. Okay. Uh, one is the Terminator 2 video game. Nice. The next one is the Alien 3 video game. And then the other one is the Predator 2 video game. That's so, a hell of a... Um, uh, that, I want all of those. That's just like all the cool things from when I was a kid. <laughs> one page. They're all perfectly put together. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was my last book, and I, I think that it was totally worth 50 cents. What's your uh, your clincher here, your, your ender? Uh, my last book is Purge uh, from Lightning Comics, issue one. Um, has oh, a, and you should clarify the spelling on this, because I saw this cover, and I was like, what? I, I, yeah, I, I almost was like, is it Purg or Purge? It's P-E-R-G is how it's spelled, because you can't just fucking spell things right. Um, it has a glow-in-the-dark cover. <laughs> because it's cool um so don't forget that also 93 uh one of the and on the cover it's like him standing there in black and white i'm assuming so he glows yeah and then a woman with chains not wearing very many clothes with a chain wrapped around her and she's sort of like grabbing near his crotch she she seems to be uh enjoying her evening 
She it, does. Even though she doesn't have wrists, she seems to be having a good time. <laughs> Uh, she does not seem to have rest. You're right about that. Uh, this is by Joseph Ziskowski and Carl Kerschel. Um, it's one of those ones that it's a small company and in the credit section of it, they have like 10 different names, <laughs> like, like multiple inkers, uh, you know, letter, colorist, art director, editor, proofreaders, uh, yeah, some trouble getting this one out the marketing. door. Marketing, yeah, just like that's a little much, guys. Maybe you should scale it back. Uh, and then there's a couple of paragraphs before you read it that I was like, all right, let's see what uh, Lightning Comics wants me to think. And it says, on behalf of Lightning Comics and the Purge team, thank you for purchasing this copy of Purge Number One. Lightning Comics was born out of the desire to give you, the comics enthusiast, the very best entertainment as well as highly sought after modern collectibles. Lightning Comics will never produce more than 250,000 copies of any book, creating a high demand for all our titles. We pledge not to reprint any book until after two years from the date of the first printing. Lightning Comics intends to set new standards of excellence in the comic book industry. With your support, Lightning Comics will quickly take the comic industry by storm. Yeah, they didn't last long. Um, 250,000 copies. Lightning did also the comic I mentioned earlier, Creed, was yep. also published by Lightning for a short amount of time. Yeah, uh, and then it went to Avatar, looks like, uh, and Image. So yep. uh, Creed's Everywhere. been around. Uh, oh yeah, he gets around. Uh, and also, if so you're looking the- into Lightning uh, comics, uh, they did a lot of just drawing boobs on covers. They oh, they seem like they are an early '90s version of. Uh, um oh, what the fuck now i can't think of it when i'm trying to shit all over them um what's the what's the current company that does all the the like the little red riding hood and the jungle book and the, oh just um, the, is it it's not um it's the people who do like lady death and stuff right yeah there's yeah. tarot and all those books yeah 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 uh so purge starts out uh some junkies uh sitting around it, it's got like a weird narration where it's trying to convey a conversation about people talking about this this myth of this purge guy uh but they don't really give you a separation of who's saying what and so it just looks like a paragraph with a bunch of quotation marks it doesn't make any sense uh so the proofreaders should be fucking fired uh but the main point is these junkies are uh you know, getting their high on, they're tying off, and uh, the lights go out after a noise, and they're all freaked out. It's like, what happened to the lights? And then Purge appears and says, I happened to the lights. <laughs> See how badass that that's is? So That's so intimidating. Yes. I happened to the lights. And he's got these spiky shoulder pads and chains wrapped all around him and a giant cape. And, it uh, seems like if you glow in the dark, you wouldn't want the lights to be off. Like I, I think it's just the cover that glows. It's in the not dark. to your advantage. I think it's just the cover that glows in the dark. Oh, okay. Uh, and so Purge goes one by one to these junkies and stabs them in the forehead with his knife. Wow! And the knife leaves a cross on, like oh, no. on their forehead. And so the story goes that. Purge was tempted by the devil and you know, forever ago and became this demon and was defeated and was brought back by God to redeem himself. And so the junkies are all still alive and they wake up and they don't have the urge to do drugs anymore. So he cures junkies? He, he cures 
people of their evil. With the cross knife. Yes. And so there's like a South American tribe at one point that they like wander off. These two <laughs> tribes, people wander off into the woods to fuck and it purges their waiting. No. He shows up and they're like, they're well, evil it, doing that. He's it's, just- yeah. That's what it appears to be. Like he's in the woods and it's like behind you. And she turns around and then it cuts away. Like that's all they give you. They just give you a couple of pages, but yeah. You say try like, these are like, you know, people who are native to Africa. And- I think I sent you a picture of it. It just says South America. I, South America, not Africa. Oh, South America. Sorry. Yeah, South America. But like, it's, this. they have. Oh. oh, well, they're definitely like, okay. <laughs> they like, just look like white people. <laughs> they're just beautiful people. Yeah. They're, <laughs> nothing about them says tribes people except for the huts behind them as they run off into the woods to bang. Um, the huts on a perfectly straight road in a perfect line. That's pretty nice. Yes. Uh, very high And end. what's the color there? It's like bleeding behind them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that for some reason that was a sweet style that they wanted to go for. Yeah, the page clearly is bleeding behind the panels. Um, that's the only page so that does that in the entire book. So he stabs them, and do you find out what happens? To no, them? They- you just see her say "gasp," and uh, and you don't get any more on that. But this is only issue one. They're planting seeds, buddy. Well, they didn't do anything wrong. They were going off into the woods to fornicate. But we don't even know if they're married. Uh, well, they do give some dialogue to say that they're, you know, it's a forbidden love of some sort. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I mean, not that I'm just saying like, it seems like the book would, it would follow from what you told me that that would be his, his like why they shouldn't be doing it. So. Right. Um, and then, you know, it's, uh, what's the, what's the line there? Their evil has been cleansed. Now it is time for me to move on to bigger game. And it's a whole sequence with a, like a, a, a bookie, uh, stealing the daughter of a guy that owes him a debt and he's going to whore her out. Uh, oh, and the uh, you know, Purge shows up and saves her and he you know, cleanses the, 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 the mobster bookie guy and cleanses the father that had the gambling debt and she's all pissed off at him uh, at Purge and she, uh, she walks up to him and he thinks to himself in his in, in her monologue, and he says, "She has no evil to cleanse. She's so pure, so innocent. She doesn't. She sees only the violence, but doesn't understand that I fight this war as much for her as for myself." And <laughs> she walks up and she says, "I hate you." And he kisses her on the forehead and says, "I hate you back." And then vanishes. Oh, <laughs> this looks awesome. It's so the thing that so the first few pages are terrible. Uh, oh, and there's also a girl. The, the narration with the girls talking is all these, ki- these basically these like college age kids uh, talking about the legend and the one girl believing that it's real and on a quest to prove that she's right. And everybody else telling her she's an idiot. Oh, okay. Because uh, I was wondering what that was. I was reading yeah. one of the panels you sent me where it's it's like, but they've, they've crammed everyone's words into the same yep. like box. It so give them colors. Give them something. Don't, don't do that. It. It's, it's just like a run-on sentence of, there was this guy, all right? His name was Alexander Purr. Uh, Allie, nice you're silly. Snicker, giggle, yeah. giggles. Chad, sorry, all. And yeah. then it just, and then I get, it says he was a cop in the 1800s, <laughs> yeah. but something changed him, turned him against the city, yeah. turned him black inside. How is he against the city if he's curing junkies? Well, and stopping he, he was from- defeated. That, that's what you missed. He was defeated as a demon. And apparently okay. he's been brought back to do good. 
Okay, okay. Uh, so Purge is one of those books where there's a lot of shit in the first issue that it just is terrible. They're trying too hard. But the premise I'm kind of intrigued by. Like that's the, I, a really weird premise. I mean, like, I'm I'm game to see what they do with that. Yeah, so like I would I would pick up Persia just to see where they're going with it. But you're gonna see if it's on the rack, the old fifty cent rack. Maybe I'll maybe I'll take another spin and see if it's uh, if if there's more purge there. There's only eight issues of purge. Uh, he's made twenty one appearances according to Comic Vine uh, throughout the other comics in the Lightning World. So well. Uh, yeah, that's that's purge. I overall, I'd say it's worth it just because I kind of dig the premise of the the guy stabbing people in the forehead to cleanse them of their evil. It's <laughs> almost kind of awesome. it's almost like a fool killer level. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, fool killer was pretty badass though. So, well, and these this guy's shoulder pads they make everyone else's shoulder pads look like you know he makes the Legion pads. of Doom look like a bunch of bitches. I mean, his shoulder pads are huge with the giant. <laughs> The hugest spikes I've ever seen yes. on them. Like Lobo can't even touch that. No, no, he 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 out weirds Lobo's attire. Oh man, well that was pretty cool, dude. I I I would encourage anyone to dive in their fifty cent bin. Honestly, I got more entertainment for a dollar fifty than when I had to buy like that new issue of Cable when we did Cable. Like it's just you know yeah, there's some good it, stuff out there, and and really, I mean, if you're just you know, if you're just looking for something to read, you might find something really cool in the 50 cent bin. I, I oftentimes will dive in. It's not like a rare thing for me. And uh, maybe that's why I was a little more you know, picky with this one, because I, I feel like I've I've gambled before. <laughs> You've been burned. But sometimes it's a good gamble. Honestly, I like things that are so bad they're good. So when I find a book like Purge or Frost, like you're talking about, that sounds cool to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I dug this little experiment. I, I don't normally go in and if we do it again, I might go to one of the other shops in the area. Cause there's a couple of shops that are like the dank, like back issues just yeah. everywhere unorganized. Like there's some real stereotypical comic shops in the area here that probably have some fucking gems in the 50 cent bid. Well, and next time you're in town, man, there is a, one of the other graham cracker locations has a whole basement filled with long boxes oh, and it's, it's really cool. You, you got to come down there with me sometime and find some gems like this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like this. I think this was a fun exercise in back issues. I think we'll do this again. Definitely. Um, and then of course, in, as usual, we'd love to hear any suggestions for another series to do. We are going to try to be more regular, so send them our way. I am at T Cannon comics and I'm at in this issue pod. Um, and like I said, we're going to be more regular. It's going to happen. We're going to be like a sweet bowel movement. I know we're drinking our prune juice. Mm, that sounds good. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.